We are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome, everybody. This is episode 64 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. We are recording from the show floor at Emerald City Comic Con 2014 in Seattle, Washington. And we're packed in this booth like sardines. We are in here real, real, real cozy. And a little Um, salty. It is a little less cozy than our last booth. It's interesting because it's a trade-off. We have way better exposure than we did last year. A lot less space than we had last year. Yeah, um, both of those are true. But uh, that's okay because the fact that there might actually be more people listening to the show would be a good thing. Yeah. So, anyway, we are going to record eventually about uh, Sheltered. We're going to talk about Sheltered on the show. That is the Ed Brisson and Johnny Christmas fantastic pre-apocalyptic tale that we have talked about a couple of times on the show. And you look confused uh no for the listeners at home i'm going to apologize in advance because there are amazing things that sporadically walk in front of us <laughs> it's true i i have a feeling i'm uh, i'll just be distracted every five seconds by cosplay and that's fine and yeah. i'm kind of tired because uh i ran around all morning trying to convince people to read poetry in public which totally worked i had yeah. like an army of people read exciting superhero poetry so nice Yay. So your panel Yay. actually happened and it did, actually happened. did well, even though a bunch of people bailed on it? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That's good to hear. Everyone wins because I was here for a grand total of two hours before someone walked up and told me, Hail Satan. Yes. And, <laughs> and tell the listeners who failed to tell you that what you gave that person. They got a library edition copy of Hellboy Volume 1. See? Yeah. See, listeners? This is what you need to start doing is paying attention. So we actually have a Twitter contest going on. Uh, by the time you hear this, listeners, it will be over. But it's interesting because we put up a sign on the table, and I thought to myself, all you got to do is follow us on Twitter. That's it. you got to follow us on Twitter. you got to show up on Sunday and pick up books. And we've got some fantastic stuff. Uh, I got a copy of Satellite Sam number 1 signed by Matt Fraction, and he put, uh, what did he put, congrats podcast listener on it, like which is nice. kind of fun. Um, I've got a sketched signed copy of... Chew number one, or the Chew Omnivore Edition Volume One signed. Nice. Um, uh, a s- copy of Conan, Queen of the Black Coast, signed by Brian Wood and Black Becky Cloonan. Nice. And we've gotten seven entries. And don't you have Hawkeye two too? Yeah, I have a Hawkeye, a copy of the Hawkeye Volume One signed by Matt Fraction, and we've gotten seven entries. But you know what? Those seven, like like Chris mentioned earlier, those seven people are going to have fantastic odds to win something. Yep. Yeah. So uh, we will, like I said, the contest will have happened by the time this happens. So congratulations to all the, the winners. As a matter of fact, I think I'm going to unfollow just so I can follow. Nope, again. that's not going to work because I wrote down all our followers uh, on Friday night or Thursday night. <sighs> anyway, Emerald City Comic Con has been fantastic as usual. It is uh, even more crazy than it uh, usually is. It's, it's actually about the same as it was last year, I think. I think it's um, busier. It's a little busier, yeah. Uh, I, it was something we talked about, that I talked about with Micatron yesterday and have talked about with a couple of people. It seems like the con, um, it's, it seems like this year is the first, like the first year where in the comic book industry's eyes, this is 
Straight up legit. Uh, hi, hi, hi. That's Micatron being creepy. Uh, because it feels like like two years ago it was still half the size, right? Or a little less, th- or a little over half the size. Last year was their first year of the, the they expanded into the full the big convention center, double artist alley, yeah, annex, all of that. And so last year, after a whole bunch of people had been coming for years, going, "This is an awesome show! This is an awesome show!" It expands, and people go, "This is an awesome show!" And now it's fucking huge. So this year, it feels like there's a ton more tourists. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot more people are traveling to come to this show. Uh huh. And it's sort of like the third point in the New York San Diego. We've yeah. got this corner. I don't trust Florida to do anything awesome, but there's Dragon Con, so that's sort of like covering the other corner. Chicago, Oof. yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicago is good too. But well, and you know, now that Dragon Con has divested themselves from pedophiles, uh, that oh, helps. Yes. Oh, so, good. so one of my favorite <laughs> things, I guess, about this con, and it's managed to keep it even though the size has changed, is that people just seem to be having a good time here. No mm-hmm. one's pushing, no one's shoving, no one's rude, and. It's just a friendly atmosphere. Yeah. There, there is some. There is the standard convention passive rudeness of people who just like walk and walk and then just dead stop in the middle of a, a walkway. But that's. I think that's part of being human. Yeah, that's going to be crowds. that's large crowd stuff. But you're right. Like everybody's just in a good mood. You know. Yeah. Like I'm. Yeah. Wa- I'm watching people walk by and have just like super big smiles on their face, which. I, I really enjoy. Uh, yeah. I was going out to get drinks for everyone, and I saw a bunch of people dressed up as Muppets. Oh, And they had nice. Bunsen and Beaker, and they had... That's um, great. Basically, it, was a li- it looked like a colander, but it had a bunch of lights on it. And I guess they <laughs> were whispering to whoever they had come up take a photo with them, act like you're getting electrocuted. And they put it on the person, the lights started flashing, and the person would shake like they were you know, convulsing. <laughs> and That's so cute. That's funny. It was amazing. <laughs> That's really cool. I've I, I always enjoy this con. This con I said this online and I'll say it again. This con has supplanted PAX as my favorite con of the year. Um, PAX is PAX is fun, but um, I don't get nearly what I get out of this one. There's a lot more human interaction that's p- available at this con. Like there's a ton of creators that, and some of them do have ridiculous lines, and it may take forever to to access them. But sometimes it's like. First thing in the morning, and you can go chat with Michael Avon Emming, and it's cool. Yeah, uh, it is my favorite comic book convention, hands down. Uh, it's probably my second favorite con. What's your favorite Behind? con? War Machine Weekend. And oh that's yeah, just well, because that's yeah. the most that's, social that's thing that I've ever jam. experienced. Not to mention the fact that, but that, but the thing about that one is it's very focused. Like it's, it's a very specific yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, if I were into a game like that at all, I probably would have a con that I, you know, I'm the same way yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, but. But this one, like comics is, I have never found, wow, that is a fantastic Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Oh, yep. my God. Right directly yep. in front of you, dude. Yep. That is, fan, that is, that is phenomenal. Phenomenally with, creepy. With, with, with the prison guard, I think? Uh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, it's awesome. We, uh, I think it was Ann and I saw um, the, the old guy in like his 60s dressed up as Popeye earlier oh, and his yeah. wife as olive oil. That, that was, was so adorable. I, I feel like, oh, my God. There's a magical unicorn. I, that's so magical. Wow, yeah. uh, that horn is very bright. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw him earlier with just like the thing on the center of his head, and the horn wasn't attached yet. <laughs> and I wasn't sure. I'm like, is this some obscure like sci-fi reference? I don't know. But now, now it makes sense. <laughs> uh, I feel like I've seen a lot of cute family cosplay and a lot of like c- cute people who are 50 plus cosplaying. The yeah. best. Yeah. Seen a lot of hobbits, but the best hobbits undoubtedly were like. 
60-ish year old women nice. as Sam and Frodo, like, decked out with the slippers with hair on them and the yeah. whole nine yards. It was pretty good. There's a, there's, there's a lot more cosplay this year than I feel. Like, initially I thought it was about the same, but just sitting here the last probably yeah. hour and a half, I'm like... There's a lot. There's a ton of cosplay at this con. Yeah. It's it's cool. Like yeah, I, I've I've really enjoyed the atmosphere at this con. Um, I think it's gotten a lot better because like you see, um, one of the things that they've done that I love is um, all over the con they have the post the anti harassment posters. Yeah. They're like cosplay is not consent, and they have a an easy way for people to report. Ooh, the dude from Saga. Sorry, I've um, seen a lot of Saga cosplay. Yeah, uh, I've seen a lot of uh, mothers with babies. <laughs> who had like dressed their that's, babies as Saga Baby? That's awesome. So good. Um, but it's it's. I think it has. I think it's really made a, a much more comfortable atmosphere for um, for the con this year. It just feels like there's a lot more cosplayers, and they feel like they're in better moods. To be honest, yeah. Like, yeah. which kind of makes sense. If yeah. There's not as much of a shitty atmosphere. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is a con- convention where you can actually walk around to where it's not completely jam-packed like san diego comic-con this morning is but. ridiculous <laughs> really it's it's actually thinned out a little yeah, bit yeah. it's really strange it, it ebbs and flows around the hall like there will be times when this section of the hall is practically in unnavigable but then if you get out of here like you go into the sky bridge in that area it'll be completely you know relatively empty yeah um and it's weird because it's like everybody kind of moves in knots around yep. the whole con hall so there will there will always be some part that there's not a lot of people but it's just rough trying to find that part yeah i i have um i've just i've just had a ball here all day yesterday all day today um i had to leave a little early yesterday and that didn't bother me too bad but um it's just it's so much the atmosphere is so fantastic yeah. and i think anybody oh who's into comics look at this this dalek that's amazing oh that's fantastic <laughs> Uh, this being a wheelchair that has been adapted into a Dalek. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, apologies to our listeners for for all of our distra- <laughs> horrible <laughs> distractions. Like, oh, look at that. focus the conversation. You want to talk about a little comic book called Shelter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we can go ahead and do that. Sure. So for the last, uh, I don't know, week or two weeks leading up into the con, we we decided that we are going to um, read "Sheltered" by John uh, Johnny Christmas and Ed Brisson. Uh, it is a about God. It would have been six or seven months ago now. Um, we yeah. Uh, I went up to Vancouver and interviewed the two of them for the show, uh, to talking specifically about this book right before it released. Uh, it's their their log line is that it's a pre apocalyptic tale, and the premise is is basically that uh, it is, it's set in a, a prepper colony, a doomsday prepper colony. Um, does it actually ever say what state, or is it it's just like... It's in the Pacific Northwest, is as much as they somewhere. Know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's they are snowy. They are out in the middle of nowhere, and they are starting this prepper colony, and they find out... Well, somebody in the colony finds out that an apocalypse is likely coming. The premise... it's The way it starts out is basically that one of the kids gets a hold of the... Uh, the uh, finds out that the apocalypse is coming, and spoiler alert: you don't find out till issue three what that apocalypse supposedly is. But he finds it uh, dangerous and impending enough that he decides that the parents in the colony are not going to handle uh, the actual preparation of this colony appropriately. So he gathers uh, pretty much everyone under the age of eighteen or so and kills all the adults. 
and that's where it starts. Yeah. Because there's going to be a draw on the resources. Right. In, I was in the coming winter apocalypse. I was telling Joel earlier, I feel like this is a comic where shit gets real fairly fast. Yeah. And just kind of keeps getting realer. Yeah. As you realize the layers of what's going on. Yeah. I really like the... the it's, it's so unique in the the time frame of the overarching story where they set it, right? Because yeah. like, like, like Ed even said in our interview, there's, there's a ton of post-apocalyptic stories. There's even a ton of stories that, that are about the apocalypse happening. Not a lot are set in the, like, the run-up where people are like freaking right. out and trying to figure out what's going on before it happens. It's always like the shit has already hit the fan and we're yeah. picking up the pieces. This is like... Yeah. No. <laughs> this no, is the that's, point. A, that's a good question. I get, so do you actually think that the apocalypse is going to happen like this kid is correct or that it's something he's manufactured just to... Does it matter? The, that's I, the, that's thing. the thing. I don't think it matters. That's the beauty of it is that you don't know, right? Like, that's one of the reasons... He's, he's convinced well, the Yellowstone Caldera is going to blow. Yeah. yeah. Ed, what? That Ed knows. That's yeah. it. Whether or not. <laughs> that's yeah. fair. Yeah. That's fair. Um, but that's, that's one of the things that I like about it is the fact that um, the story isn't about whether or not the apocalypse is going to happen. The story no. is about these people who think it does. It's a, I mean, who think it will. Whether yeah. or not the apocalypse is happening in the world, it's happening in these people's lives and in their head because, like, Nutball McGee, the, the, the <laughs> head of the Lord of the Flies, has, like, already... Nutball <laughs> McGee. <laughs> killed all of, the, all of the adults. So it's, like, there's some really interesting, to me, thoughts about authority mm-hmm. and about power. Um, yeah. It's it's an interesting take because um, they they give you they give the reader the um, the their the character that they can latch onto which is a is a oh god I can't remember the girl's name oh I was gonna say the character you can attach onto is Lucas Lucas yeah okay yeah. and Wait, if, can for you, most normal people you want to uh, find uh, yeah. her name uh, yeah Victoria Lu- Victoria and the other is Haley. Victoria the younger sister Lucas Haley, younger sister? Haley's the Haley. younger sister okay. yeah so Victoria is the 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 character who's the the most skeptical of the prepper colony yeah. was dragged there by her dad uh, doesn't really want to be there and then when the shit hits the fan is is the one person who is like looking at what Lucas is doing through the most skeptical eye and is like this is this is fucking crazy yeah. and <laughs> I have to get out of here um, on the nope train to fuck that bill <laughs> <laughs> uh, I this is a fantastically tense book. Yes. Like, uh, they do a really great job of, I think, of succeeding in um, something that um, that The Walking Dead has lost in mm. that you really just don't know what the fuck's going to happen next. You don't yeah. know who's going to get shot. You don't know where they're, you know, whether they're going to, you know, what they're going to do. You care about the characters. You care you about do. the characters. You even care about some of the people who are on Lucas's side. Absolutely. Like I can, the, the strange part about it is that he writes it in a way that makes it feel like you, you could almost sympathize with Lucas even. The thing, I, I almost do because in his own mind he is doing what's right and like their parents would be proud of him because he did the most logical greatest good for the greatest people like Mm -hmm. I don't even think it's exactly exactly (laughs) like ultimate ultimate Vulcan logic there in terms of like it's not even that he thinks that the adults are doing it wrong he's just like they're older and there won't be enough supplies for the long term survival of humanity this is obviously what has to happen yeah yeah. And you know, so he is charismatic. One thing that I'll, I'll be nuts. very like once sheltered is completely wrapped up, 
I'll be very curious to see if the apocalypse apocalypse actually happens because in that case, Lucas was right. Right, <laughs> and that's what I was actually right. about to say was that you get to a point where it's like um, part of why you can almost sympathize with Lucas is is they leave enough um, they leave enough question in there that you go, well, what if he is right? Yeah, you know, and I, well, okay. Now, this is my main thing because it seems like Lucas is doing this purely for personal reasons. Because whenever stuff happens that he doesn't like, he, he puts a kibosh on it. Like the, the one kid is talking to the girl. And you can notice that he's getting kind of jealous and whatnot. He's always noticing. Well, he's sure. decided that they shouldn't have a romance. It, because that's Exactly. Because there, there could be a pregnancy from it. And it's like, well, you're kind of jumping to conclusions. I mean, it, they're all t- his conclusions or... Um, I, I think, think that's that his deal. I think he's looking like 50 years in the future yeah, and yeah, has his own specific idea of what the future is going to be. Exactly. But Anything that doesn't fit gets chopped. Or and, chopped. and the problem is he's too young to actually know what the consequences of all his actions are. Yeah. But one of my biggest things and why the reason why I don't think it's the apocalypse and he's just thinking this out is that why would you destroy all the ham radios? You know, that, that's one thing that you want to have communication with other, once you get out with other societies that are still survived, like, hey, okay, now we need to rebuild society. But he doesn't but know th- that. But th- I think that's well, a control and, thing. And the, yeah, I was going to say, it's partially a control thing, and it's, yeah. partially, uh, it's partially that he believes that that, that that outside communication is, that if his community is built properly, that outside communication is not necessary yeah. and is, in fact, dangerous to his way of life. Yeah. Right now, that's I'm going to draw it back and say that I there are times when you can almost sympathize with Lucas. I'm not saying he's right. I'm saying yeah. he becomes sympathetic at yeah. points. Right. Like it's it's not he's his decision making is suspect. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, I think yes. he's great because he's one of those like characters that I love to hate and secretly like like sort of. I like Skinner Sweet more than him, <laughs> but they both have that like delicious moral ambiguity thing. Well, yeah. and, and that's one of the things is that when he, like, whenever he's, he's confronted with something, he always is nice and calm about it and like, hey, let's think this through. Okay, this is the reason why we had to do this, mm-hmm. and this. So you guys need to keep on listening to me because I know where we're going. Right. And I'm take don't don't fear because I'm leading you in the right direction. Don't I fear the reaper. Exactly, <laughs> but I I can just see like right around the the next corner, the next issue, they're all going to be taking the Kool Aid. Hey, hey I'm telling you, really what? epic neon cut hoodie. Wow, that, it that, really is. That's amazing. Um, the the part where where Lucas lost me, as far as it, uh, ever being sympathetic, was the dogs. Oh God! Like, that and was, I was oh. just like, I was just like, you. Well, they're just going to eat food on a bitch. Crazy. They're well, just going to eat more food. No, I know. Yeah. Well, that's he was he had them burn the bodies i was like look if you are living by your principles you need to like can them right <laughs> exactly so that's th- perfectly good meat right there and, and then he kills the kid that finds out about the the ham radios too yeah you know which means that he's not trying to like he's doing damage control he's trying to cover things he's up yeah. as opposed to leaping into well, a pit of crazy and rolling around <laughs> yeah i think i yeah, think that's got part it all of, over i think that's part of the tension in the book though is the fact that um, you're you're introduced to Lucas and you see him at the start make all of these decisions that he thinks is log- are logical yeah, and, yeah. Are, and are based on logic. And as things start to fall apart, 
<laughs> he realizes, and the well, maybe he doesn't, but the reader realizes that um, maybe that's why the adults needed to be there was so that uh-huh. as stuff goes wrong, they know how to properly react to it because all he's doing is working in damage control mode at that point. Like yeah. the first thing goes bad and it snowballs because he's just making things get is wor- making things worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. will be really curious to see if any of the other folks that are sort of on his side are able to form a coup. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like there are the seeds of that, but they haven't quite gelled. It's it started to happen. As so, uh, yeah. because like one of the things he killed the the one kid who had found the CB radios and and the other little kid had saw him killed and realizes the lie. And so that's where the rift is going to start. Yeah. Between the loyalist and the well, rebellious th- people. Yeah, and I think um, you guys, I know, I know, Andy, you're caught up on it, right? Yep. You read through issue seven. Yeah. Have you? Did either of you guys read issue no, seven? No, I've just yet? read okay, what's in the six. trade. So the start of the second arc is, it's like it's it's so fantastic. Shit gets real. It is. So, it is. It is. I don't know Lucas, how it could. Lucas just like you can see at the end of issue five that Lucas has just started to rein some of the shit in, right? Like uh-huh. it's like snowball, 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 and finally there's a moment of quiet, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Okay, Headlights. okay, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this fixed yep. here," and then uh, issue six, <laughs> they just it's all over it. Like all he's right. totally excellent, and it's fantastic. Like um, I'm. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of uh, the way that um, Ed Brisson has applied his his kind of crime fiction storytelling style yeah. to this crazy uh, prepper community yeah. story that he's doing. So I want to move on to talk about Johnny Christmas's art. Um, yeah, I love the art in this book. It's great. It is. It's so fitting for the story that's being told and i think that's important like because i know a lot of i've talked to several people who who are not fans of the art there's a couple guys at my comic shop that are like "Eh, it's kind of me i disagree for one but uh, but i think it just um the two of them mesh so well yeah uh and the that's why like that especially the (laughs) the way he depicted the scene with the dogs just I know you hate it. Hate that I bring it up, oh, right? No, no, because no, it's no, just but like it's so good. It's so good. Like, so just his work in general is perfect. Um, the, like a pairing, and I mean this in the best way possible that I can compare uh, Johnny and Ed to would be uh, Ed and uh, Sean Phillips. Ed Brubaker and Sean yeah, Phillips. Yeah, right. Ed, yeah. Mm. They've got a really good chemistry uh, in this book. Where um, I think I think one of the things that uh, Johnny Christmas does so well is conveying the emotions of the characters. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I just think that. that is something that, that a lot of books lack at. A lot of artists like, you know, they're not they're not I'm trying to I'm gonna try so hard to about arts. I'm gonna try so hard to say this in a way that doesn't sound condescending or or, or bad. But Johnny Christmas's art is more concerned with uh, conveying the emotions than being like um, Uh, being compositionally tight, I guess is what I should say. Like, 
Like, he has a really a good of, balance of, yeah. between drama and clarity. Yeah. Like Thank he you, doesn't. Claire, he you doesn't said it sacri- so much better than I did. <laughs> he doesn't sacrifice clarity for drama, and at the same time, like because I think the emotional state of the character is, it seems like it's in the forefront of his mind because how the characters are feeling is really clear. And right. in this, in a story like this, which is all about. Um, a lot of people hanging out in a situation pretending like everything's fine when everything's fucked. Like, uh-huh. it's really important to have the clear facial expressions going on yeah. so that the reader can figure out what's going on. Yeah, and I think that's um, that's one of the things that really struck me from this book from the get-go was uh, that there's, there's so many comic book artists, especially in the big two doing superhero work, mm-hmm. that, that they're very, very good at their exaggerated anatomy. Uh, all of their faces look identical. Yeah, super and exciting drama, not yeah. much clarity. And and everything is a scream, a grimace, or a blank look. In this book, it is the exact opposite. Like he, The range of emotion that's shown through the artwork itself is just top-notch. You could... And this is, this is what, um, you know, I've always been told by art professors and people who are, who are art critics about sequential art. You could take the word balloons out of this book and still get the gist of the story yeah. and the emotions of the characters perfectly. That's a perfectly. good marker of awesome art. Yeah. Um, coloring I, is good too. Yeah. Say. Oh, Shari Chankama's coloring. Uh, one of the things I'm glad we, I'm glad I finally got to see the book because when I went up and interviewed them uh, before the book came out, they were talking about how Shari Chankama makes some choices with the coloring that they never would have expected. Right. And one of the first ones was um, how they would they would send her like just kind of the basic idea of what colors what the colors should be uh, for like outfits and stuff. And one of the things that she she did on her own was a lot of like the the red noses and red fingertips oh, nice. to convey the cold yeah. and like little shifts in color to to convey the environment that are are things you don't see very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't see somebody take the time to think about that because no. they're just going to be like they're just going to be like hey it's flesh color and there's uh, that's what it needs to be. Nope. Um, but this book, uh, I was I was mildly hyped for this book when I talked to them about it because I like Ed Brisson's writing and having seen some of Johnny Christmas's art on the web, I, I was I was excited. It blew away my expectations. Oh, yeah. Like I, I really, really like this book. This is one of my favorite. I, I just, I, I'm gonna go ahead and call it a crime book because that's basically what it is. It's yeah. just, um, it's a yeah. different setting than any other crime story that you've yeah. seen. Yeah, before. yeah, absolutely. But you know, the thing is, it is pre-apocalyptic tale because it is, it is a tale about the apocalypse. Like when mm-hmm. society is thrown away, and it's just the people. How do they react? when it's just themselves. Yeah. Even if it's in their own heads, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, right? And and that's one of the things that The Walking did over so many time, oh, so many years is that the, the kids in that show, um, like Carl specifically, he didn't grow up with any right and wrong. That's pretty much the whole world that he knew was all these zombies. Right. So he was willing to kill quicker than any of the adults were. Yeah. Right? And it's kind of the same thing here. Where when they come up with an issue, it's like, oh, instead of trying to talk something out or ration out the, to make sure that everybody survives, like, nope, they're just the most easiest decision is to kill everybody. Yeah, right. You know? I appreciate also that there is sort of a split between, like, these teenagers and then the eight, ten-year-olds that are yeah. there who are seem even more insane and, and off the hook. Yeah, impetuous. Yeah. I'm really curious to see how that power play interaction 
happens as they age and how much Lucas is going to have to take on a role of a parent after he just killed them all. I'm, I'm smiling because issue six is going to show you exactly oh, God, yes. that. Yes, yes, yes. yes, it yes. Is. Okay, so now that's, that's one of my questions. Is this an ongoing series yes, or is this? Yes. Okay. You know, when I was a kid, I really liked um, like Robinson Crusoe or, or Swiss Family Robinson where they're left out on their own and they have to deal against the elements. I and liked boxcar <laughs> children. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's totally. This is, this is not boxcar children. No, no, this isn't. But it's not them fighting against the elements. It's really kind of fighting them, fighting against themselves. Yeah, it's. I like it. God, it is really just. Um, At this point, like one of my friends texts me, is like, "I'm in my brick and mortar comic shop. Haven't been here in a while. What should I get?" And I was like, "Well, you should get Lock and Key and Sheltered and yeah. Miss Marvel if you want to get issues." Mm. Bam. Yeah, that's. I've I've recommended Shelter to quite a few people, um, and I will continue to do so. I know that uh, I'm I'm a big fan of of Ed Brisson's work, uh, so I tend to I tend to sound gushy when I talk about his stuff. But he Just really he really hasn't written he hasn't written anything that I've read. I'm going to say he hasn't written anything that I've read so far that I haven't enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I haven't read his stuff on Secret Avengers yet, and I, I likely won't because I'm not an Avengers fan. So, um, but I've heard good things about that stuff too. Yeah. Um, I hope Sheltered goes for quite a long time because I, I'm, yeah. I'm really, I'm I really like, happy with. I it like so where far. it's going. Yeah. I feel know? like it has so much momentum. I'm really excited to see where that takes it. Right. It has a lot of momentum, and it, ha- it there's, there's just so many ways he could go with yeah. it. Yeah. Like, well, and, and that's the thing is there's this big elephant in the room, at least for me, that the apocalypse, you uh-huh. know, like, hey, we're doing this all because of the apocalypse. You said it was going to happen. It's been two weeks now. It is a very nice ticking clock. Well yeah. done there, narrative structure. Yeah. See, and the, the beauty now, I don't, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to venture my personal last panel of this comic book. Which, yeah. which is when, whenever it ends, however it ends, my personal opinion is they go through the entire run of this comic book without telling you whether or not the apocalypse uh-huh. has happened, right? It's still... Now, you know... You know what? They would never know if it did. That's, that's, what, that's my point. Yeah. My point is that this, this is going to become power struggle between Lucas and Victoria, back and I forth, bet. back and forth. The whole... My ideal last panel is that Victoria finally escapes gets somewhere where she can tell whether or not the apocalypse has happened and you have the last page of the comic book is the answer to that question. Oh man, It's either great. a yes or no. It could be it could be a no. It could be she walks into a city and it's nothing's and wrong. Like everything's the fine. smoke plume in the background. <laughs> right? Or she's or. Wa- she stands on a on a on a hilltop and she can see the fucking explosion right, from right. Yellowstone. Or that type thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're evil. Yeah, but the, I think my ideal, that would be my ideal ending, was that you don't find out whether it's happened until the last page of the book. That seems yeah. good. Seems good. I yeah. Like, like, and maybe that involves, like, maybe she ends up having to kill Lucas, right? And they decide they need to leave to find out what the fuck's going on. Yeah. Type, something like that. I don't know. But I just... Um, yeah, there's no way that either one of those people are surviving. Yeah. Thunderdome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to enter. Maybe it's Haley. Right, like maybe yeah, maybe the two of and Haley's the one that escapes. The thing is, anyway, I feel like I there's a lot of rational people, but the moment 
any of the rational people end up trying to like fill, like say they manage to off Lucas, if they're going to fill a power vacuum in this hugely irrational situation, like they're going to get corrupted and shit's yeah. going to get weird. So yeah. it's a really exciting lose lose <laughs> situation. A, and there's a the beauty of that Spider is that there Jerusalem. are a couple of those. Uh, there are a couple of those younger characters you were talking about uh-huh. earlier that if Lucas were taken yeah. out of the picture would would destroy everything oh, yeah. by trying to fill that vacuum when they're not yep. ready and they don't know how. Yep. Um, I'm I'm fantastically driven by the characters in this book. Yes. Uh, they're so I, I care about what happens to them and I am driven by their decisions. And that is one of my favorite things to read is when a char- when characters are well written and well rounded. Yeah. That is what makes the book like worthwhile to me, and uh, they really really succeeded with this one. So, yeah. uh, a solid buy for me for going by Barrow Burn. Oh yeah, I'd buy I'd it. Buy the heck out of yeah. it. Yeah, Andy walked away, uh, but his I know Andy's a buy too. We'll ask him in the outro when we get to that point and see if he's a buy Barrow Burn. But I'm pretty sure we're going to have a four solid buys, yep. which is good because you know when we have the creators of the book on the show, we actually want to say good things about the book. Hey. Uh, we did buy a borrow burn. What is it? Buy? Borrow buy. Bu- buy. buy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you really needed to ask that? Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Luke and Andy. We are here at Emerald City Comic Con 2014, and we are sitting down today to talk to Ed Brisson and Johnny Christmas, the creative team behind Sheltered. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Good. How's your Emerald good. City been? It's been great. Actually, it's been a really good show. Yeah. Wow, you, that's, okay. <laughs> that's that's all I got. Okay. You want more? It's been a really good show. I've been telling lots, been meeting lots of people, talking to people. I, I've already people. determined, I have already determined on this show that I am a, I'm a terrible interviewer. So I'm really relying on you guys to kind of fill some space here. <laughs> You're <on>. screwed. <laughs> uh, so, Andy, you look like you were about to say something. Oh, I, was, I, I was just about to say that, I mean, I think the vibe that I'm getting from everyone here is that everyone's just having a really fun time. And I don't know if you guys are feeling that or not. Like, I've just been watching people walk by with smiles on their faces, and that always puts me in a good mood. Yeah, but it's a fun show. Really enjoy it. Yeah. John, is this your first time here, Johnny? Uh, tabling, yes. I've, I've come and uh, I've attended two other times. Right on. Yeah. The, uh, the feel of the show, I think, is changing a little bit more along the lines of, like, um, I don't want to say San Diego yet, but it's definitely expanding to that point. It's getting it, bigger, yeah. It's getting bigger. It, there's not the film focus that you get at San yeah. Diego or the video game focus. Like, uh I, I know that I guess there are video games here, but they're somewhere uh, else. They're like on another satellite or something. Uh, yeah, there's like that. a satellite. Uh, it's uh, the Sheridan. And the Hotel. Sheridan. Yeah. yeah, right. They've got a gaming lounge there, which seems a little superfluous for this show, um, especially when PAX is in this city, like in uh, you know, Two six months, months or three months or whatever it is. I don't know. It's like six months. It's near the end of the year, sir. All time is lost meaning <laughs> for me anymore. It's just a cycle of Emerald City Comic Con and then. That, then Seattle, then Emerald City Comic Con, then Seattle. Yeah. I don't even know it. All right, so uh, last time we talked to you guys, uh, I came up to Vancouver and we talked just before this released. Um, and we had meant, I had asked like where it was headed, like how many issues you, and you said that you'd, you, know, you had a plan, but it was kind of indefinite depending on how, it, how popular it was, how it sold. How is it doing? Is that a question that can be answered? Yeah, it's doing well. It's, uh, it seems to... Uh like it came out strong when it, when it came out, and we got. Um, and it seems to be still kind of beholding, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, 
<laughs> do well. <laughs> well enough to well enough that you're going to get to do some extra like arcs in it. Uh, kind of like we we have sort of like uh, Johnny and I sort of had this idea for how long it would go uh, early on, and we're we're pretty much sticking to that. I think. Okay. And, uh, so it hasn't really changed uh, either way. It's going well enough that there's a pilot or the potential for a pilot for a movie. A for movie. Yeah. Okay. Is it a movie? When? How did that come about? Like. Who I guess the question is, who who ended up like getting it into the movie scene? Like who saw it and how did it get pushed that way? Um, it was actually it happened at uh, San Diego Comic Con. The uh, the uh, screenwriter for the film, who screenwriter director uh, Jesse Parnell, actually approached us at San Diego Comic Con, and it just so happened that uh, my agent had just left, so we put them in touch, and then they talked, and then. You know, and then they came back to us. So it was it's a pretty quick, I guess, kind of quick. I don't know. It took a few months of, of back and forth. But mm-hmm. you know. is it very deep in the process yet, or is it just still kind of pitching? Uh, they're writing it right now. The oh, screenwriter nice. is writing it. Yeah. Um, one sure. of the things that I really like is how expressive your characters are. Um, like, sort of, what what is your major influence as far as your style goes? Um, I could tell you my influences, but what I'm told a lot is that. People can't see them in there, okay. <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> so uh, that being said, uh, uh, Katsuhiro Otomo from Akira fame, love that guy's stuff. Uh, Jaime Hernandez, Love and Rockets, that's a huge one. So good. Um, Mike Mignola, like his uh, sense of um, composition, is just okay. mind-boggling. Uh, is it Mignola or Mignola? You know, are I've we never known. Or are we, Luke might know. We, I'm pretty sure it's Mignola. Mignola. Yeah. We're being proper about it. I, it I believe so. That's good. I like I'm that. probably wrong, though, because <laughs> who, was it, who was it that I was completely mispronouncing? Like, uh, Oh, um, <laughs> oh shit. Why can't uh, Stray Bullets, uh, Dave La- Lapham? Lapham, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that. oh, God. Did you say Lapham? I think so. No, yeah. you didn't. La- he Lapham. did. I, I was, it wasn't Lapham. It was like Lapham Lap- instead of oh, Lapham, right? right? I don't know. Which who who knows? Lapham sounds know. like a euphemism for <laughs> masturbation. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Oh man, I wonder how many times he's heard that. <laughs> God, I would have. It's a terrible last name. Like <laughs> I, nothing against him. It's just <laughs> it's you know it's one of those things. It's like okay, yeah, I hope that guy could fight when he was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you guys want to talk about the first arc for a little bit? Sure. So yeah, I, I have some yeah. questions about sort of um, like Lucas. What was uh, the, the young sociopath? What was your motivation for writing him? Which one's Lucas again? Luke. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say that? I don't know. I, I think what we were trying to do uh, when we started is we had this idea that we had a Victorian Lucas, and we wanted like um, like Lucas is obviously sociopathic, but like. We want a lot of his arguments to sort of make sense as well, yeah. And uh, and that it, it's kind of steeped in truth. And he's everything that he's doing, he's doing because he believes uh, that the end's coming, and he believes it's for the good of the group. And um, I don't know, I, like the whole part of it was uh, writing this was like, what would happen to somebody raised in that environment, especially if somebody has a sort of a sociopathic sort of proclivities that, that Lucas has and, and how would they sort of conduct themselves and uh, you know and he just sort of uh, spilled from there okay. and, Vic- and Victoria is the, the polar opposite she's the person who has the, the normal 
sort of mindset, but is brought up in the same environment? Well, she wasn't brought up in the same environment. She was new to, to Safe Haven. I think that at some point they mentioned she'd been there for, uh, I think it was six months. Did we yeah. 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 Am I completely spaced? I apologize. That's my bad. We're done. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And so she's, she's newer to the... So with her being newer, there's uh, uh, immediately distrust from the rest of the group uh, about her. Uh, she doesn't buy into any of it. She's only there because her father brought her there. So she's got sort of the outsider view viewpoint and is not necessarily as uh, quick to uh, to pull the trigger. Okay. You know. How deep have you guys had to get into the to researching the prepper community to make this go? The reason that I ask that is because I um, before I talked to you guys before I hadn't really like I'd known that this was kind of a thing i didn't realize how how i guess deep and sometimes in some places prevalent this this kind of mentality is until somebody who i used to be friends with on facebook started uh started like sharing posts from a prepper facebook page on their own page and like blew my mind that they were just like they were being serious about some of the things that these prepper communities go through right how much like how how kind of crazy is that making you having to <laughs> immerse yourself in that <laughs> mentality? Well, uh, for me, uh, I just have to deal with uh, things visually at this point. Sure. Uh, I did a bit of, uh, quite a bit of reading uh, on the way in, mm-hmm. but at this point, it's just visual. Now, I'm not sure how far uh, Ed is down that road. I know he's thinking about leaving the city, and he's talking about more rural locations, and I'm being serious. <laughs> I'm being serious. He's staring so off into space yeah, right I now like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Well, they're on Ed, to me. Ed, what's going on? Now, I, I'm actually terrified of like, of like living. There. If, if like the end came, I I would want to be one of the first dead. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I know because it, it, I would I wouldn't be able to do any of it. It came time to like eat bugs just to survive. I'd be like, this shit, fuck it, game over. I'm out. <laughs> I'm just gonna starve to death over here by this tree. Uh, I wouldn't be able to do any of it. But like going in, yeah, I um, I. Initially, I'd been doing research anyway because I had kind of wanted to do a post-apocalyptic story. Mm-hmm. and wanted to know how someone who was preparing for the end would live after, you know, the humanity as we knew it ended. And uh, so I, I started sort of researching there, and it was just through that that I discovered a lot of the prepper community. I started listening to a lot of prepper co- podcasts, taking mm-hmm. out a ton of books about how to prepare, uh, you know, and, and reading uh, as many sort of uh, newsletters and... and, and um, uh, Take some classes on Canon. Yeah, and blogs and stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> blogs as I could, and it's like it's a lifestyle. Like I said, I if 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 that sort of end comes, I hope I'm I'm one of the first gone because I, I wouldn't I would not be yeah. able to to do it. No, I'm I'm the same way. I'm I'm fat. I would be a drain of resources. Yeah, so you might as well just <laughs> shoot me first. My internet goes down and I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> end of society as we know it. Oh, I am I'm worthless. Yeah, I, I would be the same. I'd be like, if I have to build a temporary shelter, how the fuck am I going to do it if I can't get on my iPhone? <laughs> Siri, how out. do you build a temporary <laughs> shelter? Oh, Siri? Siri? Oh. Is there as big a community in, in Canada as there is in the States? Like, I understand what, how, where it comes from in the States, right. like, both politically and kind of, like, motivationally, but is this a, is this a Canadian thing, too? Not as much. Uh, you don't see as yeah. much of it in Canada. Uh, I have come across a few in Canada that. Uh, well, you're already living in an apocalyptic frozen wasteland, so it's uh, kind of <laughs> kind of easy, right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to move past it. Um, <laughs> no, it's uh, I don't the island on Vancouver Island. There's a, a bit of it. Um, 
and there's uh, more in Ontario and Alberta, there seems to be. Hmm. And I've actually tried to get in touch with uh, some of these groups, but they're uh, pretty skeptical about like talking to anyone yeah. about it, so, which, understandably. I guess that kind of makes sense, right? The mentality is already of isolationism right. to some degree, so... So, hey, uh, let me, uh, Johnny, I have another question for you. Um, so, I'm trying to, this is the scene that Luke hates more than anything else in the first trade. Uh, when the dogs <laughs> die. Uh, okay. The um, dogs. Yeah. So the dogs, Ed. <laughs> He's a terrible man, that Ed person. <laughs> and so, Ed is behind us going, oh! <laughs> I'm just going to go ta- for a tangent for a second. So, the... Uh, you worked on Murder Book on the Long Walk, or yes. was it Long Walk? Uh, the midnight Min- Walk. Midnight Walk. Weren't you the person who told Ed that he needed to make sure that the girl lives at the end? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, originally Ed had that in, and I was like, "Oh, this or, is great! This yeah. is fantastic!" And then at the end, it was just like, uh, "No, no, it's just that's just too dark. It's just..." And I, he he had second thoughts, and uh, yeah, and I, was, and I was like, "Ed, come on, we got to do this. It'll make it more memorable and <laughs> haunting and." <laughs> Okay, vomit inducing. I just wanted to clarify that because, like, <laughs> that's one of those stories that you read and you just feel bad at the end. Yeah, which is uh, it hurts. If that's what you're going for, you know, awesome yeah, for sure. But um, I guess for those who don't know <laughs> and think that it's weird that a story would be darker because a girl lives, <laughs> <laughs> the story is about a guy who gets beaten to death because these guys think he killed a girl, and then it turns out <laughs> he, we would just give away the whole her. thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, but so to go, okay, so to go back to the dog scene for a minute, uh, the facial expression on the um, the kid whose name I can't remember at the Chris. moment, Chris, uh, that's brilliant, man. Like Thank just you. just like he doesn't say anything, but just the art is, it speaks exactly what's going through his head for the one panel that he lives <laughs> after that. <laughs> um, like, how do you like as an artist sort of interpretate uh, interpret interpretate? Wow, I, my grammar is that's real a good, good word. Yeah, uh, how do you interpret what Ed like? I don't Ed. Do you like scope? Like do you sort of sketch out like what you're looking for in a panel or something along those lines, or do you just say dog's dead, Chris no, upset? There's a little bit. I, 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 I put some stuff in there. Um, so for that scene, I was like, okay, here it is, Johnny. Here's the scene you wanted with the dead dogs. I'm writing this against. <laughs> I'm oh, writing this with protest. Oh. Throwing you under the bus <laughs> for it? Hey, I'm just going to say, I wanted to be a veterinarian when I was growing up. I'm the only one in this uh, in, in this partnership who actually owns dogs. <laughs> and the things he does for those dogs. <laughs> He's like, I've had like 70 of them in the past yes. three years. <laughs> they keep running away. <laughs> I can't remember what I wrote specifically, but usually, you know, it's, look, at that point, I think... It's pretty. It's pretty obvious what that guy's going to be feeling. Yeah, we were gearing up for that. Uh, we we had uh, we were mentally preparing for that for a while. So, yeah. <laughs> if you actually, if you've read the single issues, in the single issues we wrote, we we listed in the back of issue three. Is that the one? Uh, that four. Issue four. Four. Yeah. We actually listed the Twitter exchange where we were arguing about whether or not that thing was going to happen with the dogs. <laughs> we were arguing, not Twitter, uh, text. We were arguing like. Over the course, it felt like forever. Like, we were just back and forth texting. He's like, they got to have dogs. I'm like, they got dogs and they got to die. He's like, no. Anyway. Is is four the one with the dog's head on the front? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to go back home and read that. (laughs) Yeah, it's in the letters letters column where we had the text exchange. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. This is the one where you you just got really deep into Lucas's mentality. Oh, well, they're a drain on resources. They got to die, of course. (laughs) That right. makes sense, right? <laughs> no, but, but look, the kids, they're, they're responsible. They're going to let them go, right? Well, they're the responsible kids, but no, wouldn't they let them go? Uh, 
You aren't going to shoot them. You're just going to say, run off, happy little dog. Right, yeah. They, 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 they murdered all their parents already. <laughs> yeah. But the, the dogs, no, we can't kill the dogs. Why would they waste bullets on them? Well, not that they, they didn't. bullets. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they did uh, not waste any bullets on those dogs. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think it's. I think from my, from my point of view, it's it's a perfect like power move by Lucas, where he gets a he gets to sort of like, and he and he's pinning it on somebody else later on, right? So mm-hmm. it makes that person seem so much harsh. So there is a a, 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 um, a tactical purpose to it. There's a strategy yeah, there, right? Yeah. So even though his strategies have never worked out, like not <laughs> one of them. Which, which is brilliant. I love, the, I love the way that that happens because it's like he kills, you know, they kill all the parents and then everything just kind of goes downhill from there. Um, we were talking earlier about how I, one of the moments that I really love was at the end of the trade leading into issue six um, where that, that last page on issue five where everything has calmed down a little bit and Lucas is finally starting to rein some shit back in and you, these people show up, and you're, and that last page is like, oh fuck, <laughs> you know, you just, you know, everything's just gonna fall apart in the next issue. And I had a question for you from like an art, I guess, part of your background, your process, because one of the things that I think Andy brought up earlier, and that I really love about this book is, is, um, I think y- you're phenomenal at rendering facial expression in a really wide range of emotion. Like we were talking earlier about how a lot of people who draw superhero comics, especially they're really great at exaggerated anatomy, but their expression, their facial expressions are limited to uh, passive grimace and screaming. (laughs) Um, And I've found like one of my favorite things about the way the characters are rendered in here is just their facial expression and how they're, you know, everything from even subtle amounts of emotion to, you know, to fear and pain and thing. How, has is that something you've concentrated on in your artwork as far as your research of like how to draw faces? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, I think about it a lot, and um, and when I uh, <laughs> this is why it's good. I, I do this when no one's around in the studio. I do act out kind of the scenes, yeah. especially uh, facially, and I hold a mirror up and like just kind of um, try and put myself in that mental space, and mm-hmm. then you know look in the mirror and try and capture that. So yeah, I think about it uh, quite a bit. It's very important to me. I just have this mental image now of you taking selfies with all these yeah. different expressions. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got my um, uh, you know bub, like power puff girl outfit on <laughs> as well. It helps. Wow, that's a bit research. of the image that I didn't <laughs> oh. would have. There's their pl- mental space I never would have gone on? to. Are we? <laughs> oh, oh, oh shit! It's live. The book is phenomenal, guys. We really lo- we you. really love it. Um, I think you'll find that out if you listen to the episode later where we talked about it and we're just we think it's fantastic we hope you guys have a long fruitful run with this book um thank you guys very much for dropping by uh hope you guys have an awesome rest of your emerald city comic-con and uh we appreciate you stopping no problem thanks a lot Uh, page seven. What, what was that? Yeah, yeah. just sit there and just, you know, just pick it apart. Yeah. In I their was interview chatting with Jordi Belair <laughs> earlier, and she's signing a bunch of stuff for the guy in front of me. And uh, uh, he, they get into a conversation about people that cu- get stuff signed that they don't like. She's like, because it happens sometimes. You know, most yeah. people are sane and they like the comics they're getting signed. But occasionally, I have people come up and be like, "This was mediocre. I didn't really like this," <laughs> and they still want me to sign it. So what the hell? I had a guy in front of me in Matt Fraction's line that was just getting stuff signed. Like, he he was making some weird comments about like, "Well, I can't CCG this," and I'm just like, "Really? You're no, like, really? 
Oh God. That I mean that's eBay. that They're seems doing like it for eBay. just getting value, which Yeah, which I'm I don't over just getting value. Mm, me too. Mm. I get stuff signed. I Christine and I had this uh, conversation the other day because she is um, she's not into signatures really. Yeah. Uh, so she I'm the one that's like running all over the place in the con getting stuff signed, you know, getting a bunch of different things uh, signatures on different things. Um, and I've, I've found that it's not because uh, it's, it's never for me because of value or because I want, you know, to be able to sell something, which is why most of my signature books are signed books are, are personalized yeah. because to me, the signature isn't a, isn't a thing. It's a reminder that I got to meet the person that makes this thing that I like. That's why I go get stuff signed. I don't even care about the signature, honestly. I, I enjoy having, you know, a 30-second conversation with the creator and uh-huh. being like, I like your words and pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Which is usually how it goes. It's much more eloquent in my head. Yeah, that's... Know, and yeah. then that's what comes out. That's pretty much what I said to Greg Rucka yesterday when I got my <laughs> copy of Lazarus signs. Like, yes, yes. This book is the goodest thing ever, <laughs> and it—that's um, kind of how it came out. But uh, and he started talking real slow to you. <laughs> Hi, dude. That is a fantastic Ewok. It really yeah. is. Um, but he, uh, you know, I love. I just love the experience of meeting the person, and then the signature on the book is when I get to, like, I get to look at it and be like, oh yeah, that's when I got that signed yeah. at Emerald City when I got to see blah 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 and so on and. Um, that's I've I've spent almost all day yesterday and most of this morning just running around like a chicken with my head cut off trying to get signatures. Though that is the one thing I'm gonna the one minor gripe. The only actual minor gripe I have about Emerald City this year is the way that they handle the signature lines in front of the artist alley tables. They're having a really hard time. Is rough um, because, for example, um, for some reason, and I don't know what that reason is. Uh, Chip Zdarsky's line was like area was way bigger than Matt Fraction's Um, and Matt Fraction only had space for maybe nine or ten people in front of his table right oh god so they would cut it off they cut it off and they'd be like come back ten minutes later because they won't let people just hover right because they just end up making a blockage they're like you you guys have to walk yeah Yesterday, I went by Matt Fraction's booth six times. Yeah. And never once Stalker. was able to get into the line. Gross. I got to so. check Stalkerish. Kelly Sudeconics later. Hers was all full I, up before. Yeah, I managed to get into her line because I lucked out. I walked up just as someone else was walking away from the table. Nice. And they compressed, and I, I walked up to the enforcer. I'm like, hey, they're compressing. Can I sneak in behind you? He's like, yeah, go ahead. Nice. Um, but, like... Uh, Jeff Smith was a good example. Jeff Smith's one that actually made me a little angry earlier. So this is my minor vent was I went up to his table once and they're like, the line's closed. Come back in 20 minutes. So I came back in 20 minutes and they're like, sorry, the line's closed, whatever. And it was, it was at 11.08 and they said, the line is closed until 11.45. Come back at 11.45. So I went and did some other stuff. I came back at 11.45 and they're like, the line is closed and he's done for the day. Oh, come on I'm now. like, really? You told me to come back Lies. now and when I get back, I'm not, I'm not able to get in the line. That was a little aggravating. But I guess Jeff Smith doesn't do appearances very often. So uh, being here, he's got like a big line okay. or something. Okay. What? I believe it. You, you've got a look on your face. Yeah. No. Uh, so I bought this book called Time Fucker. <laughs> which I, I bought because it, it looked incredibly ridiculous. It's brilliant. Would, uh, do you I want to say the, the premise since you read so the whole thing? So a guy goes back in time 
to fuck someone like their ancestors so that he takes over their genes. Uh, it's like every bully that he didn't like, he goes back in time and, and, and fucks their mom. It's not the most like deep book. I feel like no, I need to go buy like an art no, book to make up for that, but no it's fucking depth. hilarious. Uh, but so it hilarious. Is hilarious. Yes. The machine that the guy uses is basically a blow-up doll time machine contraption <laughs> hybrid <laughs> NASCAR type. Made by Thomas thing. Edison. Yeah. Oh, of course Thomas Edison would make that <laughs> asshole. Uh, and the sequel, because it, spoiler, there's a trilogy of them, or there's going to be a trilogy yes, of them. Yes, two out of three are out right has now. alternate universe versions of the same guys and it's insane. It, it is the most <laughs> guilty pleasure comic that I've read since Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Word. Yeah. I, I need to get that terrible grindhouse prison thing. Yeah. A- yeah. And then that'll, that'll just be That'll my, balance it out. That'll balance it out. I, I got suckered. Nice. I got suckered into suckered? buying. I got suckered into buying the sex criminals hardcover. Oh well, that's because it's sexy and attractive. It is sexy and attractive. I did not want to pay the money for it though because it is. It is horrendously expensive for what you get. Uh, it's a five-issue hardcover for $40. Oh, jeez. It's not bad. But I still got... <laughs> it's not bad. Bullshit. <laughs> it should be $20. It's a five-issue hardcover. If it's hardcover, I would expect like 25 30 A 12... Well, but here's the thing. A 12-issue hardcover from Image costs 30 bucks oh. usually. So mm. a five-issue hardcover costing 40 but it's a con exclusive. Yes, did it have white splooge? It had white splooge on it. Part of Matt's DNA. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the first issue of Lumberjanes as well. I'm super excited about Lumberjanes. It's it's like what adorable. So it's by Noel Stevenson who does Nimona, Grace Ellis who does Lumberjanes, and other people as well. And it's sort of like adorable Girl Scouts in sort of a, like, mysterious, terrible things are happening in the woods, and their camp director seems to be on it, and, like, is sort of like, so tell me more about these wolf men. Uh, but in general, the character design is so cute, uh, and it's going to be it's gonna be really fun. Noel Stevenson writes, writes yeah. good stuff. It's Boom okay. Studios, and okay. I've been loving the stuff that they've put out. Um, I've con- been continuing to read Midas Touch, which is awesome. Highly recommend Midas Touch. Ryan North, it's got dinosaurs, so they say things like dang. Wow. Dang, King Midas. Wow. (laughs) I mean, go figure. But there are other things as well, aside from just danging dinosaurs. Uh, Yeah. Boom Studios. Good stuff. So, uh, I guess... Anything else shiny that you guys got? Joel and I have only been here today. Uh, Yeah. You still have money. (laughs) We haven't gotten to leave the booth, really. Oh, okay, Uh, fine. That's a thing. There you go. Oh, I will be. I will be leaving the booth and picking up shiny things. You excited for anything in particular? Um, no, not in particular. Uh, you know, and, and one of the sad things is that now that I, I got a tablet, I've moved on to Comixology and getting digital copies and away from physical. Sellout. I know, right? And I do find, kind of feel like a sellout because I was like, well, I could buy this, but I could just get it online. And yeah. It's legit. I, I'm still, yeah, I, I'm not happy with myself. 
I'll admit it. I've started Good. buying issues. Yes. And I feel a little yes. bit dirty. But there's series that I'm like, oh, man, I started this on Wait. issue one, and now I have so, to keep, like, furious. I've been so, buying the issues. So is that. this like the teeter-totter that we're on the yes. Seesaw? Because yes. you went from digital uh-huh. to buying issues, uh-huh. and I went from buying issues to digital. Uh, it's all and is making good out. choices, and yes. you are not. <laughs> I am making it's good all good choices. choices. We're I all understand. reading comics. This I'm is s- good. I wish that there was a better way for me to trade in my individual issues for trade versions right mm. i took a bunch of stuff to my comic shop um and i it was probably it was a short box full i think there was probably 200 uh That's like a long box okay then it was like a hundred maybe okay. like a hundred individual issues of things that my intention was hey i want to i don't want i clearly don't want to trade straight across right if it's a 12 issue i'm not going to trade those 12 issues and just get the trade i'm just going to get toward it they offered me 25 bucks for the whole box. Really? I'm like, you're offering me a quarter a pop for <laughs> stuff that you could literally package up into like an eight-issue run and sell as a, a new thing because these are comics that are current. You can yeah. probably sell them for close to cover, um, and you're giving me a quarter a pop for them. Ugh. I wish there was a better way for me to take those single issues that I got and be like, I would like... like Twelve or twelve or thirteen dollars yeah. off the hardcover, please. You know, something like that. Seems that. reasonable. I'm glad but somebody said it. I think my secret plan is I'm going to build a little free library, which is like the yeah, yeah. small shed in front of your house where you put things, and like either put my trade. Probably I'll put my issues there because I on I I do collect them. I don't really give a shit about them. I collect them because I want to read them, yeah. and I have no impulse control. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I I might store them out there. Just. <laughs> I know those words are all English, but the order you put the fuckers out of out of those Lindy libraries. (laughs) (laughs) I think I do. Hey, Johnny, you want something to read? Actually, you can put it on there right next to Crossed. Yeah. Really, though, I'm planning on building a double decker one that's like shaped like Hogwarts, kind of, in that it has the normal section and the restricted section. Because if I'm going to put comics, I live across the. Friggin' Street from an elementary school. If I'm going to put comics out there, I'm at least going to like really clearly label the adult ones. Yeah. Yeah. Idea. Oh, I all right. Well, <laughs> anyway, go on. <laughs> Wrap it up. We are going to this. Uh, this is uh, Emerald City Comic Con uh, 2014. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, if you have not been to ECCC, you should come to ECCC. It's 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 my favorite con of the year now. Um, we this has been episode 64. If you would like to be a part of the show, you should. Either hit us up on Twitter at Trade Secrets Pod. You should hit up on. I'm. You know what? I'm just going to stop listing the Facebook page because it's fucking pointless. Yeah. Um, Facebook.com/slash Trade Secrets Podcast. Uh, you just did the opposite of what you said. I know. I know. I did, didn't I? Um, or you can uh, email us at Trade Secrets at Geekerific.com if you have questions, comments, anything you want to uh, send to the show. Uh, you can send it. Send it in, and we will use it on the show. We love hearing from fans. We love talking about things that people send to us uh, while we're talking about comic books. Uh, Anne is also on Twitter at... And being tweets. Joel is on Twitter. Superfly with a PH. <laughs> I have an E on Yo. my name, I don't know too. why that la- made me laugh. Uh, Andy is on Twitter. Mathastrophe. I am on Twitter at Geek Elite. Uh, we will be back episode 65. I have honestly no effing clue what we're doing for the next episode at this point. I am going to... I'm going to throw out the suggestion of Rat Queens, though, yes, because I the trade is out. Yes, I want to read it so bad. Yeah, I'm down with so, it. Okay. So, you okay with that, uh... Okay, good. There's the borrow. Uh, so, 
So next episode 65, we will do Rat Queens. Uh, I know that episode 70, we're doing the long read of Bone. And I will fill in the gaps in the next episode. So thank you all for coming out and joining us for Emerald City Comic Con. Thank you, Anne. You're welcome. Thank you, Joel. You're welcome. Thank you, Andy. This has been episode 64 of the Trade Tickets Podcast, and we are out.